Welcome to the Birth Warrior Podcast. In each episode, we feature the stories of birth warriors, women who have persevered to find their own truth in pregnancy and birth. As you hear these women share their stories of love, autonomy, connection, and power, it is our deepest wish that you will be inspired, empowered, and supported to find your own truth. We are honored these women have stepped forward to share their personal stories and to help us remember that we all have the power to choose what is right for us. The Birth Warrior Podcast is a presentation of the Indie Birth Association and is not intended to be medical advice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Birth Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Jaden Graham, and on today's episode, we have Julia Having a didelphus uterus and a pattern on breech babies, Julia just wanted a straightforward home birth, but this was not in the cards as her third baby presented every complication possible. Ironically, it turned out to be her easiest birth. In Julia's own words, humans plan and God laughs. Trust him and everything will be perfect. And I hope you all enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, Julia. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, totally. Um, so wherever you'd like to begin your story, please share. Yeah, so I've had three children so far. My first one was in Canada and uh, I kind of already didn't like the system in Canada. Just generally, I thought the healthcare system was absolute crap. so I didn't know too much about birth or anything I hadn't done too much research but intuitively I looked up getting a midwife and kind of avoiding all that but the midwife system there is also under government control and I was not able to get one because I am classified as high risk Mm. Uh, I'm classified as high risk because I have a didelphus uh, uterus which means I have two fully separate uterus with two cervix. Interesting. And uh, I guess I could have not told them that, but my baby ended up being breached. So I would have, they would have transferred me to OBGYN care anyways. Yeah. So I found a doctor that was recommended to me by my friend. Um, and I mean, it was just like a typical impersonal experience. And by 30, I guess, yeah, by 36 weeks, I got a call from there, uh, from the secretary there. And she very rudely, I would say, like in a tone of harassment, uh, told like berated me about not coming in more often to appointments and that they've scheduled my C-section and I should be more responsible and come in for my appointments because I have a scheduled C-section coming up in a week. And I said that I never agreed to schedule a C-section. In fact, I blatantly told them I will not be scheduling anything that I want to go into labor naturally. So that's kind of how they treat you in, in Canada. <laughs> wow. And I was, I said, okay, I'll come in. And I was going to go in and just yell at them. Cause I like, <laughs> I like doing that. Uh, <laughs> but then I went to, I went into labor that night. So I avoided that whole thing basically. I went into labor really late at night. It was really painful immediately, really strong contractions right away. Uh, my mom drove me to the hospital and my baby was still breech and I had zero options, C-section mm. or no. I don't know what the other option is. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what they would do if I would deny it. I actually don't know. Maybe there's a story you will one day hear of someone doing that. But maybe. Anyway, so <laughs> I have this picture of me just like looking so downtrodden when they said they have to do a C-section. So basically a nurse comes in and checks my dilation without introducing herself or saying hello or making eye contact she just like puts on a glove and shoves her whole hand in me and it, I screamed mm. um I told her to not come back yeah <laughs> it was it was so shocking like just the way I was shocked I I was expecting bad treatment because I've gotten bad treatment at the hospitals there but this is a whole new level because you're really vulnerable in that moment. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, so then they did the C-section. It was pretty straightforward. C-section suck. Um, I was shaking so much for two hours. I couldn't hold my baby. Um, the recovery was horrible. I couldn't feel to pee for months. Uh, just, you know, all the typical C-section stuff. Yeah. So then for my next birth, I really wanted to try vaginal. And I was by then in Austin, Texas. And I went with an OB here and a doula. Um, I kind of put it on my doula to be there with me during labor and to kind of guide me through the pain and what to do. Mm -hmm. So I regret that because I should have prepared more personally, but I felt like, oh, I'm paying this woman and she's an expert. And like once you know, once we get there, she'll help me through it. That was kind of my attitude. But mm -hmm. I should have really seen some red flags with her because like one of our, I think our second meeting, I showed her my birth plan and she's like, oh, you know, most women have a birth plan, but then they just don't follow it and get an epidural anyways. She said something like mm -hmm. that. And it was just like really dismissive and kind of condescending. And I would, and like, I, I don't know why I didn't catch it as a red flag. I think it was just my first time working with a birth worker and I just kind of let it go. Um, so then my, okay, my labor started in the middle of the night. Again, really fast contractions, really painful, about three minutes apart right away. I tried to get in the bath, but like that sucked. Uh, I called my doula and she said, I'll go to sleep. And I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen. So I call her back and she's like, I'm actually with another woman. I'm like, why didn't you tell me that the first time I called you? Like what? Mm -hmm. So she's like, I'll send my backup. She sends my backup to the wrong hospital. So I don't get my do. I don't get a doula or any support except my husband at the hospital for like two hours. Mm -hmm. um, I'm And, you know, I had kind of a horrific hospital labor they wouldn't let me push because they couldn't tell how dilated I was. Mm. So they kept checking me and they kept saying, oh, I think you're eight. I think you're eight. Don't push. Don't let your body bear down. And I'm like, I'm not trying to push. My body is bearing down with all its might because yeah. I'm in labor. I'm obviously in the part of labor where I'm supposed to be pushing the baby out. Mm -hmm. But the doctor just like wouldn't let me do it. And that sounds weird. Like I could, of course I could have gotten up on the bed and just done it. Right. But when someone puts like the psychological block on you and like their medical expertise is like, don't push, don't push, you're not ready. And you're in this black hole. It's like, okay, I guess I'm, you don't know. I don't know. I didn't even think about it. I'm like, okay, I can't push yet. And my doula did not, this person I just met, she held a hot pack to my back. I had horrible back labor. 
And like, she didn't really advocate or give me like a second opinion or anything. Like she was just silent the whole time. Yeah. And my husband, uh, my husband was following my birth plan to the T. So he was like beating people away or trying to like give me drugs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I, And I was begging for drugs at that point, but I'm so glad he didn't let me give in because I already went through so much pain for so long. And then if I took an epidural like an hour before I pushed her out, I would have been so mad, you know, after the fact. Mm -hmm. So he was like my savior. Like he really, he didn't know what was going on really either, but he's just like, this is the plan she wanted and I'm going to honor the plan. Mm -hmm. So thank goodness I had him there. He was my biggest advocate. Solid dude. Super solid. It really brought us closer together and was like, because I know it can be really tough on your marriage when like you're being abused at a hospital or whatever is happening. And then like your husband doesn't know what to do or doesn't stand up for you. Mm-hmm. Like I can't imagine having to forgive my husband for that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so then my doctor's like, well, it sounds like you need to push. Your body sounds like it needs to push. So let's try it. I'm like, okay, great. Gosh. <laughs> so like what obviously to me was happening was I was fully dilated during contractions and then I was closing up in between because that's super common and normal and this doctor just like couldn't google it like I don't get it I don't understand um (laughs) so I go on the bed and I push her out in like two contractions maybe like Mm -hmm. maybe five minutes of pushing rip everywhere hemorrhage Mm -hmm. um but it was like a really horrific hospital labor, but I was so happy that I had my V back. I was so happy that I had no drugs during the labor. Um, and my postpartum stay was pretty good. Uh, so I was, that was like re- really a positive experience at first because it was so much better than the C-section. Yeah. And, uh, but the pain that I went through, it was so horrific and I'm like, after that, I kind of just said to myself, I'm just getting an epidural next time. That was horrific. I did it. Cool. Solidarity. I'm capable of it. And what I do. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I got, I, I got pregnant with my third, um, two years later and something in the middle of the pregnancy, like my mindset just changed. I don't know why. I don't know what triggered it. Um, I think maybe like partially COVID stuff triggered it because I was in my mind, I was like, I'm rejecting all of this bullshit that's going on in the world, but I'm going to go to the system that's abusing people right now and get an epidural and birth there. Like, what is that? So I think I had this kind of, I felt like, like a hypocrite or something deep down inside. And I'm like, no, I'm going to try again. I'm just going to try again. (laughs) It's going to be better. So this third pregnancy, so my first two were in my right uterus. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was breech because they're smaller uteruses too. So I'm not surprised mm-hmm. that they're breech. And all my babies come early, but, mm-hmm. but they're not early for me, but they come early by definition. So my first was 36 weeks. Then my VBAC, she was head down. Uh, she was just over 36 weeks, mm. maybe 36 and a half weeks, because, you know, my uterus stretched. It's the second time around she turned. I, it makes sense to me. Yeah. And then this one was in my left uterus. So it was 
a natural birth after cesarean and VBAC that's not a VBAC because that uterus was never cut. It's uh, so it was like a first time pregnancy. Um, and I got a midwife, like a really hardcore midwife. Like this woman studied under Ina May. Mm. She's like 70 years old. She's done 3000 births, 60 breech births at home. Really hardcore woman. She has a reputation here in Austin. You know, um, I, she's the type A like me. So I had to like overcome some negotiation uh, obstacles with her because her personalities are like similar or both really kind of aggressive in her nature. Mm -hmm. So I kind of had to like man um, negotiate that, which was interesting in and of itself. But I thought her knowledge and expertise and wisdom was just really valuable. And she did a lot of very valuable things for me during the pregnancy, just in terms of um, vitamin intake and you know, little things like that and <clears throat> correcting little things that were wrong with me, with my health in general. And she was willing to do a breach at home. And I honestly had a, like an intuitive feeling that this is going to be breach again, because it's, I've never used this uterus before. It's going to be small. He's not going to have room to turn. I just felt this like mirroring to my first pregnancy. It was the same thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and also I felt he was going to be early uh, she's like, no, no, we'll get, we'll fatten you up and we'll get more nutrition into you and he'll stay in there longer. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I think the genetics will override that, but mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> um, I followed her, I followed her like uh, suggestions and stuff. I did everything she said and I was right. Genetics overruled that because mm -hmm. I went into labor at 35 weeks. He was even earlier. Mm. But um, the hospital thought it was 36 because kind of, fudged my due date a little bit. <laughs> so basically, okay, this was a very interesting labor. So I was expecting to manage horrific pain again. So I read lots of pain management books. I read Bradley Method. I read everything and listened to so many podcasts on labor just to prepare myself mostly to deal with the pain. I did like consultations with, with uh, people who offer those kinds of services. I did everything I could for mm -hmm. pain management to prepare myself. I wake up on the, uh, on the 21st of February. Um, I do some gardening. I feel really good. Uh, someone comments on my stomach and says my stomach dropped. I'm like, ah, whatever but like deep down inside I'm like oh man I'm gonna go into labor aren't I because also my husband was planning to leave for for a day for business and I'm like I'm gonna go into labor as soon as he leaves it's gonna be horrible it's gonna be <laughs> so anyways I, I had planned a little dinner party and my friends come over and then my water just breaks so I kick everyone out <laughs> um, <coughs> And I call my midwife and she comes over and she's honestly quite worried because this is from her knowledge and her opinion. When your water breaks and then you don't go into labor for a long time with breach, it could uh, create some issues. Mm -hmm. And her kind of training with breach is it needs to like get going quickly. 
If -hmm. things are moving along, then the breech birth is safe and okay. And if things Mm -hmm. are stalling, then it's not okay anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of guideline we were following. She comes over, she's kind of torn about what to do. Like she says, her intuition and heart feels okay. But by the textbook, she's like a bit worried. So we, we make a mutual decision for me to just go to bed and hopefully contractions will start soon. Um, I go to bed, I wake up, I wake up two times at night with mild cramping uh, and I go back to sleep. I wake up in the morning. Um, I had my friend come and stay over to watch my other two kids in case I have to go. Mm-hmm the hospital or something or if I'm in full out labor for a really long time and I have my midwife come over again and we decide to do a cervical check um, just to see if I'm actually dilating or not and I consent to that and she checks me and she was really happy she says I'm two centimeters and she felt my son's like scrotum and butt so to her, that was great news because then he's butt down. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot to mention a week before this, we went and did an ultrasound, which I didn't want to do, but I felt like the benefits could outweigh the negative things of ultrasound. She wanted to see if my fluid was good, where the cord is, and if he's in a normal breech position or if he's foot length. Because if he's foot length, she wasn't willing to do anything at home. Mm. And I'm like, fair enough, like, fair enough. Mm. So we go do the ultrasound and everything actually looks perfect. Like most of the time, both his feet were in complete breech position. The cord was kind of up by his stomach and face. Uh, The fluid was measuring perfect according to the ultrasound, whatever that's worth. Um, There's a funny story with it, actually. So the tech does the ultrasound, right? And I'd make it clear to them that I don't want it to go on for too long. I don't need like an anatomy one. And we're just literally checking the breech position. Totally. And then the doctor comes in to, you know, redo everything and make, make sure his nurse or his technician did it right. And he comes in and he's like, well, we're very hands-on at this ultrasound clinic. We like to do things hands-on. I'm like, okay. So he <laughs> ultrasound me again. I know it, it was I'm like, okay, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So he ultrasounds me again and confirms everything. And then he just like keeps ultrasounding me. And I'm like, are, are we done now? What can we stop? And he's like, oh, I'm trying to find your son's penis. <laughs> and I'm like, I know his gender already. Like everyone knew that I knew the gender already because they ask you and I confirmed that it's fine for them to talk about it because I already yeah. knew. And, and he just like kept looking for my son's penis and he said he was looking, he's like, I really want to show your son's penis. Let's find the penis. And I'm like, I like look at my midwife on the tech and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to see my son's penis in a week for like the next two years of my life. I don't need to see his penis. <laughs> yeah, totally. And he kind of like blushed and like, like I was mocking him. Um, yeah. <laughs> he just kind of like blushed and stopped the ultrasound. I'm like, thanks. Bye. <laughs> Um, weird like penis protocol at the ultrasound clinic thanks guys (laughs) so anyway so back to the cervical check so she checks me she's happy she's reassured she said she talked to her other midwife friend and she said if things don't progress there's a hospital that will take you with breach for vaginal birth there's a 
Catholic doctor there who has like 20 kids and he still does breech births. So we had this option an hour away in case things are stalling and we don't know what to do and like it's not happening. So then she leaves and I go for a walk with my friend and I'm just getting these kind of cramps, period cramps. I'm walking, I'm having a nice time outside, uh, talking to neighbors, you know, they're really inconsistent kind of sporadic contractions. And my, my midwife said they weren't even, it's not labor, she called it pre-labor. So then my friend leaves for a bit and she was gonna come back a little later. And I'm like, okay, I'll see you later. I'm gonna take a bath. So I go take a bath. My husband's up kind of coming in and out. I'm just listening to music, sitting in a bath. And I guess it's like 10.30 AM by this point. And I've sat in the bath for, you know, about 40 minutes. Again, inconsistent, very short contractions, nothing more than 10 seconds, mm. very mild. And I am in my mind, like saying to myself, it's going to get intense, Julia, don't get used to this. Like it's going to get bad. The pain's coming. The pain is coming. So my knees get kind of sore. I get out of the bath. I'm like, I should go read my affirmations. I'm going to lie down and read my affirmations, get ready for this pain that's coming. <laughs> I lie down in my bed and I feel like something coming out of my vagina. Mm. And, um, I reach down and I feel what to me feels like the bottom of a foot. And I'm like, oh my God, okay. I get up, I hike my leg up and I look in the mirror and I see a cord. Mm. And it's like, I like touch it and it's thin and wiggly. And I'm like, this is not a foot. And I have this like horrific moment to myself where I could totally break down and go into panic and just lose my mind. Mm -hmm. um, but I decide that if I do that, my baby's going to die. Like, I just can't do that. I have to pull myself together. And then I asked God to help me. And then I said to myself, like, this baby's not dying. I'm going to the hospital. And in case he, I need to be cut open, like, I'll let them cut me open without anything. Like, I'm yeah. not losing this kid. Mm -hmm. um, my midwife had called me half an hour before to say she's coming over. And I said, don't come over. Mm. <laughs> I'm not in pain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So I'm laying on the bed. I put my pelvis up on a pillow. And I have my husband come in and I ask him to check me. And he's like, yeah, that looks like a cord. And he's terrified, but we're both like keeping it together. And I'm like, okay, give me my phone. I call my midwife and I tell her that we feel a cord coming out and she like kind of loses her mind. And she mm. goes, call, you know, call the ambulance. I'll meet you at this hospital. Like, you know, this is a C-section, right? And I'm like, uh, yeah, it was kind of like not what I wanted to hear. Cause I already knew that. I wish she kept it a bit more chill and like, calm yeah um but I get it I get it it's like the last it was like her biggest fear and it came true and poor woman mm. <laughs> so I'm not gonna hold it against her or anything but it was really the last thing I needed to hear like that really panicky kind of fearful reaction so then I hang up and I'm like okay I guess I'm on I am like mentally kind of on my own like I I need to get to the hospital. I need to be with my midwife because she's the only one who knows what she's doing, even though she's panicked. I'm sure she'll still deliver if she needs to. 
And I'm just like, I have to keep it calm because these people are going to show up. And if I'm losing my mind, they're going to treat me like a psycho and they're not going to help me at all. And everything's going to be worse. So the ambulance shows up and the fire department and the police department. Everyone shows up Mm -hmm. to my house. I'm naked. They're like wheeling me out. Um, They were very calm and nice. So that was a plus. I'm in the I'm in the ambulance. My husband's behind us in his car. They put the only female in front of my vagina to keep <laughs> checking on me. And her eyes were like dinner plates. Like she didn't know what was going on. Like she didn't know what to do. She was just totally shocked. The guys are like, it's gonna be okay. Like they're just like trying not to get too involved with it because they don't know what to do either. Halfway to the hospital, it's like 15 minutes. Um my body starts to push like totally involuntary pushing and I'm like oh my god please I do not want to have this baby in an ambulance these people have no idea what they're doing I'm not having a baby in this ambulance I need to be with my midwife just in case something goes wrong um so I kind of hold him in I just like fully relax and I don't push with my contractions I don't push with my pushy feeling and I'm almost like I'm trying to like keggle keggle him in there. Yeah. <laughs> so uncomfortable that was when I had the most pain to be honest because now it's not just cramping it's like doing something your body doesn't want you to do mm-hmm. so I had about three pushy contractions in the ambulance we get to the hospital my husband and my midwife are in the emergency room. They had it all ready and set up. The entire hospital is there. Like everyone is there. No one has seen a breech birth in their life. Um, they put me on the bed. It's 11.34. 11.34. They put me on the bed. They do heart tones, which were like still Okay. And the doctor's like going through her training script. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, he's great. So we're going to have, we need to epidural you and C-section you. Mama, 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 mama. And yeah. I'm like looking at her. And my <laughs> midwife like looks down and sees a foot. And she's like, there's a foot. Like we can't, we don't have time for a C-section. And then the doctor's just like. <sighs> <laughs> she's so shocked. She's in shock. She's just in yeah. shock. I look at this doctor and I'm like, okay, uh, I can't lean forward for an epidural and there's no time for a C-section. So I'm going to push now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And she just like pauses and she's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then yeah. the contraction starts and I push and the whole body and shoulders come out and my midwife goes, finish it on this contraction and I'm like okay and I take another deep breath and I just push him out they put him on my chest he's crying he's purple the cord is purple the cord wasn't prolapsing at that point which Mm -hmm. is like totally miraculous Mm -hmm. I don't know what happened in that ambulance I don't know if my uh, cervix sucked the cord back up or what but at that point they just saw one leg sticking out they didn't see a cord I pushed him out. There was a true knot in his cord. So that was also very potentially dangerous. Mm. Um, a true knot is when there's a knot in the cord that happens early in the pregnancy because they can swim through that and it tightens. But during delivery, 
if your cord tightens, like if you have a short cord and that knot gets too tight for the blood flow, your baby can die. Mm-hmm. My cord was super long. It was like 36 centimeters or something. So it did not oh, get wow. taught. Yeah, it did not get taught. Um, and the baby was perfect. Like even though he was premature, true, true knot, cord prolapsed at some point, uh, both my husband and I confirmed that. Um, and just nothing, nothing happened. Nothing bad happened. It was totally miraculous and awesome. Wow. And I pushed him out in one contraction and two pushes. <laughs> and the amazing. doctor was still like going on about it. Like she's like, well, you know, the danger, the danger with breach is, you know, it opens enough for the legs and not enough for the head. And I'm like, yeah, I know. That's why I came here. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> she was, she was even saying, is. she was saying this after the fact that he had already been born. Or yes. your, your baby had already been. Saying, yeah. 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 She kept saying it. Wow. It's like she wanted to do her job because she didn't right. get to. Right. And she wanted to be responsible and tell us like the risks that were associated with this. Yeah. And um, she wasn't a she wasn't a bully about it and she wasn't condescending. I yeah. will give her that. Yeah. She was just illustrating the facts to us right and especially if she hasn't if if you said you said too that no one in the room had seen a breech birth and you know especially if she had if she had never seen a breech birth like I think you know I feel like you know your mind just wants to your brain just like goes into this place of just like falling back on your on your knowledge you know because you don't it's like I was saying before knowledge versus wisdom you don't have that wisdom there so it's like all you can do is just like go like all the like buy the book like all these like things in your head that you've learned in med school or yeah, whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. She was coping. coping. Totally. This, cra- this crazy woman who was totally calm and complicated <laughs> in the book just comes in and gives birth in like under 10 seconds. And you're just there and you like watch, just watch it. Totally. <laughs> and my husband was like, my husband was like, um, oh, congratulations. You just all experienced your first breech birth. <laughs> <laughs> and all the staff was like, still the nurses were really excited and happy yeah. for me. And my husband was so relieved. Oh, my God. He was so relieved. Oh. Was so relieved. And I was already just like past the worry and the fear. Like I just like stomped it. I stomped it out before I got into that ambulance and I was so calm and I'm like yeah that's a breach birth could have yeah. gone wrong but it didn't isn't it beautiful yeah <laughs> totally <laughs> what is going on <laughs> um yeah and then we, they took they took me to a room and sewed me up and she you know she said you know next time um they kind of like want we didn't tell them we were planning a home breach and I didn't mention home birth at all. Mm. And she's like, why didn't you come in when your water broke? Your water broke yesterday. Why didn't you come in? And I'm like, ma'am, I know this isn't your fault or anyone's fault here, but I labored in this hospital my last pregnancy and it was horrific. And I was not coming in and laboring here again and having right. a horrible experience. I was going to labor at home till the last minute. And then this happened. And she didn't have anything to say to that. And that was, you know, partially the truth. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And she's like, well, next time build a relationship with the breach doctor and, you know, have a better plan with that. I'm like, okay, thank you. And I just took her hand. I said, thank you. 
thank you for helping us out and blah, blah, blah. And I just kind of reassured her and like gave her a little ego boost so that she like would stop coping. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) A little bit of sugar work. She just kind of like did her job and it was done. Yeah. Yeah, so... It was it was interesting. It was interesting. Um, I didn't hemorrhage um, this time, which was nice. And my midwife was actually worried about getting in trouble. And then she was like leaving the hospital and the administrator. So the administrator allowed her and my husband in the emergency room with me, which mm. isn't supposed to happen during COVID. Right. Um, and it turns out, so she calls my midwife in her office and it turns out that the administrator studied under my midwife like 20 years ago. Oh, and wow. And was really touched by her lessons and how she um, managed birth. And um, she said, oh, you told me to always get down below the woman to serve her while labor's going on. And it was like a really nice moment for my midwife. So she, mm. you know, she got some healing from, from that experience as well. And um, although I ended up transferring to the hospital, I feel like this was a perfect birth, perfect yeah. labor and birth. I feel totally healed. I feel like, like the circle was just like completed. And I went, I, it's, it's almost like God sent me there to assert my power and assert my authority and, um, autonomy because I got to go in there and I got to tell them what's going on and, and I got to decide what to do. And that's what happened. So I went in there at like 1134 and he was born 1139. And yeah, most of that was a conversation before my contraction started. <laughs> so yeah, I'm like, I'm left with really positive feelings overall. And um, I'm hoping my next one can actually be at home. And if if they're head down, I'm going to just not even worry about anything. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I feel like I've overcome every complication. So Uh a normal birth is going to be a breeze for me. And again, it was a painless birth. Every complication by the book, painless. Like, Mm. I guess like discomfort, discomfort and cramping, but relative to my previous labor even my previous like two hours of contractions before my c-section this was nothing yeah it was like on a on a pain scale of two (laughs) i got a pain pain free birth (laughs) oh man and i'm kind of honestly like i'm kind of in retrospect i'm kind of glad my midwife wasn't here when that happened Mm -hmm. because there's protocols like she would like have pushed him back in there with the court like there's yeah like she said there's certain things you do when there's a prolapse or a foot laying you like push them back in and get them in there it would have been way more invasive actually Mm -hmm. um and i mean retrospect is easy because you know nothing went wrong with my natural delivery right no intervention but with interventions maybe something would have gone wrong um and yeah. I would have had a pretty you know I, I imagine having a baby put back into your uterus or like pushed yeah. back. I don't know what you would have done but I imagine that's like a lot and probably painful yeah so in a way everything just kind of lined up perfectly it just got took care of it and it worked out the way it was supposed to be so yeah yeah um <laughs> well no I was actually um 
I was going to say now, um, again, knowledge versus wisdom, but I've taken um, a Breach Without Borders training. It's a really um, awesome organization that does um, hands-on simulations um, with a with like a yeah, model. I actually looked at their website. Um, nice. For like, yeah, I looked at their website obsessively for like a week before my you know, um, before I was going to be giving birth because I wanted to just see what it would look like. Yeah. It's a, I love that website. It's great there. And yeah. And their courses, if anyone listening, you know, is interested in breach or, you know, especially any birth workers that want to like be a part of that movement to destigmatize breach and have it be like, you know, you know, more mainstream, you know, a variation of normal, like y'all should definitely check this out. Um, and now typically when, um, in the in the trainings it's usually um a uh, a frank that we're that we're um working with and sometimes maybe even like a a complete um but and re, you know i don't think we've ever uh, from the one that i did we didn't do any foot leans um but the the thing that they kind of ingrain in you at least from the at least from the video lectures that you listen to beforehand is the is the um ob that runs it his name's escaping me but um they really emphasize hands off the breach and like, you know, just don't touch the breach unless you absolutely have to touch the breach. And of course, there's more, you know, there's more to it. There's definitely like a time frame to where, you know, it's, you know, it's like, oh, that's really, you know, it's a little bit past time. Like we should definitely try some maneuvers or here or there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I don't, I don't know if, uh, be, because of the fact that we haven't done foot lean or that we didn't do foot leans in my training, at least, I don't know. I mean, I, I would assume that yes, it's, it's definitely not the most quote unquote favorable, you know, whatever that means position of breach. However, you know, again, it can totally be not comp not necessarily the most complicated thing ever. And it can go, a sm it can go smoothly. I, I would assume, you know, and, you know, and again, it's like, if there is, if there's something wrong, then, you know, then you intervene, but yeah, hands, hands off the breach. That's at least what I've been taught. And I think it's what I think it's, you know, it's important. Um, but anywho, yeah. And of course, like, again, anyone listening to this, definitely check that, check that course out. It's really wonderful. Yeah. I want yeah. to point out too, for people listening, um, yeah. dealing with breach or just in general, I have been a hundred percent reassured that ultrasounds are completely fucking useless mm -hmm. completely fucking useless uh for 99 of the cases because <laughs> what it told us totally changed in a week so thanks that was yeah. totally not worth it totally um, also, all the okay this is my second experience with breach and i know i have an interesting anatomy so i'm a little bit different i have a little less space but all this spinning baby and uh, acupuncture, uh, you know, with the sticks, none of this bullshit works. Okay. Like yeah. <laughs> two times now, because if it works then it should work even in weird circumstances, right? Like it, I honestly think it only works because the baby was going to churn anyways. Yeah. So totally. in my cases, those babies were not going to churn and nothing I can do 
uh, was going to be doing that. So I, with my first pregnancy, I did all the spinning baby stuff. And with this one, I did all the spinning baby stuff. I did massages. I did uh, Webster with my chiropractor like twice a week. I did the, um, the burning incense, the burning incense sticks to the pinky toe. I did loads of acupuncture. Holy moly. I did everything. And deep mm-hmm. down inside, I'm like, it's not going to work, is it? But I did everything. So yeah. if your baby's not going to churn, there's nothing you can do. Yeah, totally. Nothing. Totally. Oh, don't bother. Right. Don't and bother. I, right, <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, and I, I almost feel like too, it's just, I, I feel like the baby is breach for a reason. Like there's a That's what I'm saying theological like, reason. Yeah. He suggested doing the, uh, what is it? Version. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not doing version because yeah. he's breach, he's breach because he needs to be breach. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And man, I don't know. I, I, I definitely, I, I remember reading about that when I was in school and man version just sounds, uh, it sounds so, so interventive and so intense. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, if you don't know what you're doing, I almost feel like you could be causing more damage than good. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, a, it's kind of like a messed up thing because Oh, well, it's better than a C-section. We'll uh, bring back breach to hospitals. And like yeah. I was put in a, you know, quote unquote, dangerous situation at home because I didn't have an option to do breach at a hospital. Right. And you know, you know what? If I had, if there were doctors at the hospital in my city that did breach, I would have probably done a hospital birth just in case I needed to be cut because there are risks with breach. And it is good to be, to have that option if something doesn't progress or the cord prolapse thing happens and it, you know, actually becomes an issue, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't have that option because they don't offer breach at hospital. So they're yeah. putting me in a dangerous yeah. situation because I don't want a C-section. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, you can't, yeah. you can't put women in these situations. You can't do it. And with, and not just in this specific case, like, with all the COVID stuff and all the intervention and all the horror stories, like maybe if you guys served women at hospitals well, they would feel okay going to a hospital when they should, because there are people, you know, in this free birth movement who don't go to the hospital when they should, and then their right. baby is hurt. And mm-hmm. guess what? They would have gone if they weren't so fucking traumatized. Yeah, totally. Totally. I'm, I'm curious, just you speaking on that, did you, um, did, was there any, since you were going in there during COVID, was there anything kind of, you know, interesting or, or weird protocols that, you know, you, that, that you were facing as the, as the pregnant mom that came in or. You know like what? That? It's Austin. It's in Texas. So I think it's yeah. a little bit less than like we never had, we actually had a two week lockdown and then it was over. Like we, yeah. so Texas has been pretty chill. Um, you know, hospitals fall under federal rules. So yes, there's masks and all that. They didn't totally. come near me with a mask. Not one time. Oh, that's good. I think they knew, I think they knew I would throw the mask in their face. Yeah. <laughs> um, 100%. Like, yes. Yeah. And then the doctor, when she was sewing me up, she's like, uh, may I take my mask off? Do I have your permission? I'm like, yeah, it'd be nice to look at you while, you know, you're looking at inside my vagina. Yeah, of course you can take your <laughs> mask off. I don't care. So they were pretty yeah. cool about it. And I think because the administrator was kind of on our side, we got the, I got the two, I got two visitors. I had to mm. stay for three days 
I got two visitors the whole time. So they made some exceptions for me, uh, which was really nice. But um, no, we weren't, no one masked us inside our room. Um, when you're walking around in the halls, like my mom had to wear a mask, but I never had to. Yeah, I, did, I didn't even put one on when I was discharged. I'm like, I'll just hold this in my hand. What are you going to do? I'm leaving anyways. Yeah. So no, <laughs> I, I had no problems with it. I know a lot of women do. Like, I'm sure in New York, it would have been horrible still. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, like, if you assert yourself a little bit, they don't usually want to deal with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Oh, um, well, yeah. So um, just to, well, not to close, I have a few more, few more questions. How was the immediate postpartum? And then how was it uh, when your, when your other children got to meet their brother? Um. Yeah, the, the postpartum was okay. The Honestly, the worst thing was they had this weird protocol because my baby was technically premature, mm-hmm. even though his vitals are fine. They have like a law and I bet it's because someone sued them after they let their baby die in a car seat. Preemies have to do a stress test in your car seat, which involves them hooking your baby up to a monitor for two hours and sticking them in a car seat to see if they would die. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm guessing some idiot drove home with their premature baby in a car seat that was inadequate and they suffocated and died in some manner. And then they went back and sued the hospital for like releasing them early or discharging them. So now they have this whole thing where I had to sit on my stitches on the cold floor comforting my screaming son who screamed for the first time in his life because he was strapped in some random car seat with beeping and lights around him Mm. it was just like totally satanic and messed up like this is not an experience I want my little infant to have in this you know on the third day of his life it was it was like worse than anything that had happened prior to that and it's just this like protocol. And I'm like, can I just not do this? And they're like, well, it's technically neglectful if you don't, and we'd have to call CPS. And I'm like, so my option is going through this stupid test. I lived, I live 15 minutes away. Okay. I'm going to be in the backseat with my kid in his car seat. Like he's not going to die. Thanks. You're putting him in his car seat for two hours hooked up to all these. It was just, oh, it was just like very emotionally not cool for either one of us. That was the worst thing. Uh, So we did that and we got discharged, but I was so livid. I was so, so mad. Other than that, the postpartum was fine. That hospital is like pretty good. The nurses are pretty nice. Um, They, they almost like did, didn't do enough actually. Cause I had, um, I had a, something left inside of me. It wasn't, it was not my placenta. It was membrane. I had a piece of the membranes left inside of me Mm. and I asked I thought I was prolapsing and I asked like the nurses several times to like check me or call my doctor and like it just didn't happen they like didn't do it or couldn't do I don't know and then I ended up like my I had it in me for like five days yeah (laughs) wow it just came, I was on, I was peeing because I was trying not to bear down at all. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to be bearing down after natural birth. And I was like peeing and like, I yelled something to my husband from the bathroom and like, that makes you bear down a little bit. And like, 
my membranes came out and I'm like, oh my God, that's, that's gross and weird. And I can't believe the hospital missed that. Like they were digging around inside of me for an hour and they like missed my membrane still being inside of me. Yeah. Wow. That was interesting. But uh, yeah, my kids were very excited to see my son. I mean, to see their little brother. I'm, the only, my only regret is like them not being there during the birth. Yeah. That would have been really cool because my son was there for the birth of my daughter at the hospital and she was, he was mm. cheering me on until everything happened. So, unfortunately, I, you know, I couldn't do that this time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, um, as far as just... Uh, where listeners can find you um after after we we close um yeah do you i i briefly checked out your website but i um the hyperlink is escaping my mind so if, if you sure, um, yeah i'm known as brave the world so brave the world.com i have a, i've had a youtube channel for like six years uh i don't post much on it now because you know three kids and yeah like, totally <laughs> totally uh, yeah, i do a bunch of like political stuff and all that so uh, yeah, brave the world. Yeah, awesome. I deleted my Twitter. So you're still on <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Well, Julia, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, for showing up here today and allowing me to record you and hold space for you. Um, and hear you, witness you, listen to you. It's such an honor and a privilege, truly. Um, and I was uh, hoping. Is there any last parting words of wisdom that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Yeah, definitely. You know, you have to, with this stuff, you have to be fully confident and calm and trusting in your decision, but you also have to be flexible to your situation. So it's, you kind of have to hold both things in your head at the same time. So don't be rigid, do what the situation calls for and be totally calm and confident in those decisions as they come along Uh, and trust God. Because if you don't, if you don't have any trust, then that's where fear comes in and fear will, fear will destroy the situation. Mm -hmm. 100%. Well, thank you so much again. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. Storytelling is a profound agent of change, one that has the ability to plant seeds of inspiration, introspection, and beyond. If you have an empowering birth story that you would like to share on our podcast, please head over to IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior to send your submissions. That's IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior. Hope you have a beautiful week wherever you are in the world. Until next time, friends.